Noted talk show host Ron Edwards shares his opinion on a myriad of political topics on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. He calls it as he sees it from a constitutional patriotic point of view. No holes barred, no sensitive feelings spared. His broadcast is called the Ron Edwards American Experience, and it is to be experienced. Want to learn why? Well, let's get into it. He's a talented and gifted commentator with more than three decades of experience in blowing away the myths and revealing the truth, as he likes to say. A much sought after public speaker, he also serves as senior chaplain and board member of Great Commission United, consisting of a growing network of chaplaincy facilities throughout the United States and the world. He is heard weekdays on 250 radio stations via the award-winning Edwards Notebook Commentary during the America Matters talk show and currently hosts the weekday Ron Edwards American Experience talk show. I welcome back to the show the smoothest voice on radio, Ron Edwards. How are you, Ron? I'm doing well. Thank you for uh, having me on today. I am glad to have you on. And it's been a while. Yeah, last time you were on was November of 2021. And that show was called Letting It Fly, Talking All Things Politics. Other guests on that particular show were Tracy Beans, Donna Fiducia, and Claire Lopez. So, Ron, back then, as bad as things were, could you have imagined we'd find ourselves in such dire straits now? Yeah, because I knew, and as many of us knew, that if things were not stopped at that point, that they would get this worse. I mean, history repeats itself. And uh, whenever you have people of the ilk of uh, Uncle Joe Biden or whomever, uh, the, the same thing happens to, to, to that nation. It's just a, a, a repeat of history. We saw this in Jimmy Carter's years. Uh, we've seen this uh, happening to a greater degree in Venezuela, Argentina, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, no, I'm not surprised whatsoever. Did you think, though, sooner or later, and, and just so the people know, we talk a lot, uh, uh, several times, off air, I'll call you, you'll call me, I'll ask you how are things going in your state and your neighbors and everything in your district. And, of course, me living in New York, you know, nothing's going to change. But <laughs> were you surprised that people have not? gotten message yet and we're still kind of heading towards the cliff although it does seem like some people are waking up like when you look go back to 2021 we were th- okay it can't get any worse because now everybody's going to see but then i said the same thing when obama won the first time i said there's no way even in hell he could win a second time so and he did yeah and th- because this is what americans want I-, I i'm convinced that this is what they want i, I touched on today on on my own show about how so many young Americans prefer the Palestinians over Donald Trump, for example. They want the destruction. They don't care. And they're very headstrong in that. Um, They hate the Jewish people because they've been told and indoctrinated to hate the Jewish people. And uh, they don't uh, they don't give a rip. They're willing to lose their lives for evil. 
this is how far they've gone. And I, and I would I would say that to them directly. You're willing to lose your life for evil. Because guess what, Gary? What do you think that the Palestinians would do to most of them, especially the tranny ones, the homosexual ones? And, uh, well, I just I'll stop there. What do you think they will do? They should know if they if they should know even in this country what happens, you know, uh, when when even when you have I've seen some uh, people, some Muslim Islam families like the father found out his daughter was eating. Forget the tranny stuff, just having sex or something with somebody he told you not to have sex. We should kill his daughters and stuff. They, you know, they, they, people need to wake up. But I understand what you're saying. So since you mentioned on your show, that's what we want to talk about. Tell people about your show. Tell them about the Edwards Notebook, the difference between the two and what you have been talking about recently. Right now, we're looking at, uh, this is a Tuesday, November 21st, so this will air next Tuesday, so there'll be a little time passed, but what's going on in your world and the type of guests you bring on the type of things you're interested in talking about at this point in time? Well, my most recent guest today, uh, Dr. William Federer, uh, we talked about Thanksgiving. We talked about uh, the importance of it, and we talked about the history of it. It's funny, I brought up to him what I believed to be the beginning or the root of Thanksgiving, which was during the time of Moses and and Jethro and the ideas that Jethro gave to him, which was the first indication of recognizing the importance of the individual. And he said, Ron, you're spot on. And he he Mm -hmm. went into, you know, uh, Dr. Federer, man, he went into tons of history to back up exactly what I was saying all the way up to the Plymouth Rock uh, situation. And so, uh, that was a wonderful discussion. I, I love having him on uh, the, the more the merrier. Um, also talked about American students, Gary. It's really heartbreaking because when you can actually say that they prefer the Palestinians, what becomes beyond heartbreaking and frightening is that these are going to be the voters. These are going to be the people that are assuming the positions that Hillary Clinton once assumed. They're going to make Hillary Clinton look, look look good. And they don't care. But see, the thing is, though, the good news is that they are so radical. They are so and they're also unlike prior generations. They're not that smart. They have very little wisdom. And so I think they're going to crash and burn. Because they don't have any leg to stand on. And so. um For example, you take the Palestinians. Do you think, Gary, that the Palestinians even respect those American students who are turning on their own country? I'll say no. No, it's just like Lenin and Stalin didn't respect the useful idiots that thought it was about their issues when it was always about the revolution. And unlike Uncle Joe Stalin, the Palestinians, those will be the first ones they kill. Isn't that uh, what Mao did? Mao, oh yeah, the Mao. The first lined Big them up. Time. Big yeah, time. because they understand they're idiots and they're useless. They can't use them. They yeah. used them, but they can't use them in their administrations, nope. in their dictatorship. No, nope, because they remember you're traitor to your own people. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yep. We don't need you. There you go. So they're very unwise. They're very uncultured. They're very uneducated in the right way. Their parents obviously did a hell of a, a piss poor job. 
because had their parents given them a good foundation in a lot of cases, and I'm aware of this uh, in, in, in some cases, parents that I knew that brought up their children in the right way, and they had to go to go, go through government schools, they did not turn out, the majority of them did not turn out like these Palestinian lovers today. Even though they went through the same government school system, if you don't um, teach, if you don't love your children enough and respect your nation and love, enough to teach your children and point them in the way that they should go so that when they are older, they do not depart. If you don't love them enough for that, I, you, you're no good, man, as a parent, and I have no respect for parents of, of that. And my neighborhood is full of parents like that. They spoiled their children, they brought them up in a way, and they insulated them with money but they didn't inculcate it with intelligence, with 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 intelligence up uh, uh, as far as their upbringings, and so these are foolish, well-to-do uh, children who feel that the world revolves revolves around their backside, and it's all about them. They hate the very system that gave their parents the money to raise them in the in the in the financial way that they did, and and was a total blessing to them. They're cursing the blessing. So, in a way, they're so crazy. That's what gives me hope. They're as crazy as the hippies were, but without the intelligence of that generation. I do want to say something about what you're talking about, because I'm a little older than you, and you grew up in Cleveland, and I went to college at Ohio University in the early 70s, and the radicals were different. I went to college during the time of Angela Davis, Huey P. Newton, okay. Black Panthers, you know, they, 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 they want to, you know, the Bill Ayers and everything, they want to blow buildings up. And they, but they're right. But, but the thing that you said that was so important was the Bible was still around. The Ten Commandments were still around. And history was still being taught about what happened with Mao, what happened with Stalin, Lenin, how tyranny took over. So it was there. It, you did. They didn't have to teach it, and they didn't necessarily teach it. And a lot. Some of these radical uh, professors were teaching that you know that was the way to go. You know, we're fascist America and be a socialist or a Nazi or a not Nazi. I'll be a communist. But mm -hmm. at least we had historical precedents to see what had happened around the world and why. Now it's been scrubbed from the history books or flipped around to make us look like. We're the the problem, like when Obama starts his, uh, you know, president, he goes to Cairo and talking about the mean, evil, I want to apologize for America. Okay, so they, as these generations have gone on and these parents today, wouldn't you say part of the problems is the parents don't know the history. So they weren't able to pass it on to their kids. It's not in the books. You can find it if you want to find it. Yeah. But if you don't look for it, hmm. this is not what they're being taught. In other words, I just say all the time on the show, like you do, just look at Venezuela. Just look at what happened. A once great, prosperous country. Look at it. Look at North Korea. Look at Cuba. Look, can't they see Ron when they're just all we have to do is send them to one of those countries for two weeks. Gary, or would they come back and raise their fist and say, yeah, that's what I want. But Gary, it is what they want, because they all you have to do is look at Gary, Indiana, Detroit, uh, not Cleveland anymore, because Cleveland has actually turned around in other ways, medicine and and, and things of that nature. Pittsburgh, well, it's it's a beautiful city again as well. But particularly Detroit, Gary, Indiana, Camden, New Jersey. 
once in industrial powerhouses, especially uh, Gary and Detroit, as was Cleveland. And when you saw that the massive destruction, they've been living under the same party since 1962 in Detroit. In 62, uh, Detroit was the wealthiest city in the world. And they put in Mayor Kavanaugh. And within five years, by 1967, the Democrats created so many problems and so much consternation, they had the largest urban riot in American history in Detroit. And the city is still recovering from that madness to this day. I used to spend time there when I covered so, the Knicks for the papers, and it, it was it was maddening to see what had yeah. happened. And having known about those Motown days when Detroit was so prosperous and seeing what it became, it was heartbreaking. But you go all around the country. But that's why I say it. but that's why I say this is what they want. They live it in the they've 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 seen it in this country. And if you when I first came here and they snickered at me because, well, you're from Cleveland, sticker snicker. And I said, you know what? Detroit is so bad. I've got to go back and apologize to Cleveland because <laughs> I was on the radio in Cleveland. I used to really bash Cleveland oh, because I, we weren't like Detroiters. We weren't proud of our rubble. Cleveland was like, well, we, we have to turn this thing around. They just didn't know how. But I used to give a lot of ideas on radio in the city. And I'll never forget when I took one of the uh, columnists from Detroit, from the Detroit, we called it the Detroit Snooze, John Pepper, took him there because they wanted to do a, an article on Cleveland because it was starting that revitalization of its downtown. And it has since spread in other areas, but want to see what they're doing, uh, what we're not doing. So we took him down and he was shocked. He was like, oh my God, this is a different world. It was Thanksgiving weekend. Mm -hmm. And my wife and his wife, they were, we were all together. We hung out, uh, he and I hung out with the mayor that whole day. Until 6 p.m., we met the wives at Public Square for the Christmas lighting ceremonies and all of that. And they were like, my God, it's so friendly. It's packed, but there's you just feel so safe. It's just friendly and it's, and it's beautiful. And uh, they said the same because we had to take the, um, the rapid train out to another place called Shaker Square where there was another uh, place where Santa Claus and shows up to, to light the lights and all of that stuff. And they were just, in fact, uh, John Pepper's wife actually shed a few tears. She said, we were just told to hate Cleveland, that it was just the worst place on earth. And, um, but, and that let me know right then that the Detroiters, they were proud of their rubble. Don't you dare say anything about their rubble. Don't you tell them the truth. I mean, my life was threatened. Hey, Ron, I got to stop you because you're telling truth here and you've been around a lot, a lot of places like I have. So you've seen it not just in Detroit, you've seen it other places. Everybody's head is exploding that doesn't understand this. So there's a one word question you have to answer. Why? Why are they willing to put up with living in squalor, living in poverty, knowing there is a solution because they can look, they looked at Trump's economy. They look, you know, like like a lot of my friends, we've talked about some of my college friends, they're all college, former friends now, but college educated, black friends and everything. Their 401ks went up and everything, and they're willing to throw it all away just to get Trump out of there. Why? Philosophy, philosophic base, and uh, lack of morality, lack of grounding in, in the real truth. And so if you don't have a grounding, a solid grounding in, in especially in eternal truth, and you don't have a full grounding in good, the good American history, without those two pillars, you are going to swim in, in, in the river of uh, 
leftist dogma and be proud of that and will fight to the death to 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 maintain that and grow that no matter the consequences. And when I see uh, the squalor and saw the squalor for decades here in Detroit, my God, we used to call it TV slums. Um, I, I, I had never seen anything like that on such a massive scale in one city. I saw slums in Philadelphia. I saw slums in Cleveland. I saw them in New York. But it wasn't 80% of New York. It wasn't 80, 80% mm-hmm. of Philadelphia. My God, it blew my mind and to the point where when they took me, I, we went downtown and there was a department store called Hudson's. And I prided myself in whatever big city I went to. I always checked out the the large department stores. And the reason why there was a reason for that is because I love the architecture of the old buildings. And at the same time, those were, to me, temples of capitalism mm-hmm. and class and which has was was totally washed away when you got into these suburban malls and the the cheapening of the architecture and things of that nature but that went along with the decline in everything else it's been a simultaneous decline in aesthetics uh, across the board as well as a decline in morality because if you have high morals your ideals your 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 goals are are going to be on a higher level the the goal is to uplift not only yourself, but your community, your children, your architecture, no matter what job you go into, it, your goal is to uplift and, and be better and make things better. Well, that's gone. Now you have isolated examples that, that oppose that, but I mean the majority. I mean, you have one of the most most beautiful cities out west, Austin. I love Austin. Right, that's I, as liberal as it can get. <laughs> right? What now? You're talking Austin? about Austin, Texas? No, it's it's huge. You, you, have you been there? Yeah, in, but it's in, but it's liberal. Here's the there's where I'm going, and it's gotten more and more liberal. Leftist. It's not liberal anymore. It's leftist. Okay, we'll go there. It, it's gone so crazy. I'm like, this is such a beautiful, blessed city, but now you go down there, you have all these rows of homeless. Same thing in Denver. My 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 son lives in Denver. Another beautiful situation, and the mayors of those cities. They just allow the homeless to have their way. And if an, if a homeless man attacks you and you turn around and kick their butt and you put them in the hospital, the police are going to come after you in these leftist cities. I and mean, as I tell people, I say, you know what? I tell my son, he's very good in Krav Maga. I say, you know what? You, you It's better that you need a jury of, of 12 than six pallbearers. Protect yourself and we'll just get in a good attorney. But don't, you know, it, 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 Americans... There no, there's no more pride. There's, that's another thing. Now, we should not be prideful, as the Bible says, but we should have pride in our society, in our neighborhoods, in our, in our cities. We had that growing up. I mean, Independence Day, blocks and blocks, rows mm-hmm. and rows of flags, those red, white, and blue neighborhoods, Christmas time, lit up like Broadway. Some of the neighbors were so close, they would connect their, their lights over their driveways. Parades. This, this is the America I knew parades. as a, as a little boy. Right. And to see all that, that's the one thing that I lost. I would have lost one bet. America was so great in my eyes as a little boy that if anyone told me, well, it's going to be destroyed, it's gonna, this is going to be happening, because of my surroundings, I'm like, no way, Jose. Why would American, because I assumed like my own father naively believed and even Ronald Reagan believed before he died 
naively believed that Americans recognized the greatness that they have and that they would not allow it to be taken away from them or to be destroyed. Ron, I got to I, I want to. I want to talk about two things. One about your background, your background and my background, how we got out of this uh, (laughs) communist Marxist trap. But that's the problem that I think we have. I don't think and I I just sent Ron a movie that I'm going to ask everybody to see. It was made in 1951. It starred Frank Lovejoy. It was called I was a communist for the FBI. It was an FBI agent. Who they had sent into the Communist Party in Pittsburgh. He had been in the party nine years. Everybody thought he was a communist. His family thought he was a communist. And, and it's a heck of a movie because they're really trying to take over the steel industry and destroy Pittsburgh. And what, what, what scared me the first time looking at this was when a school teacher, his kid's school teacher, came to his apartment and said, I'm lonely, you're lonely, I'm a communist. He asked her, well, how many communists were in the school system? And she said, ah, 30, you know, and that's back in, in this movie was in 51. Now we know okay. about, we know about W. Clance Skousen's uh, book about communists, the naked communists. We know all about that. We know about Saul Alinsky. We know about Marx. We know about cultural Marxism of the Frankfurt School. All of these things, right, have been pushing against the evangelical church, the uh, academia, Hollywood, the, got, took control of the media, you know, they've taken control of so many things and they've had more than 75 years to push this envelope like football, you know, one yard a year. So is it any wonder that we find ourselves in this position? You're, you're right, Gary. And what's sad about it is that. OK, one of the reasons why I, I think and, and do the things that I do now is because I lived through what you would call a transitional period. My father passed away when I was 12. And in the last year of his life, my neighborhood died along with him, literally. Mm. Because a lot of the neighbors that started moving out, they were our close friends. In fact, they, about a year and a half before he got sick, we were all looking for places, to, you know, new houses. We had been looking at new houses, bigger houses, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He got sick with terminal cancer. So we didn't Sorry move anywhere. But during that year, man, people moved out, all the good neighbors, uh, new kind of people moved in. I saw the transition. Then I learned the hard way what it means to be around uncivilized people. And I also learned the causes of that transition and did not like it and said, therefore, I guess that sets me apart from a lot of people today who have grown up or had to live in such horrible conditions because I was able to at least for the first part of my life up until 12 see what a decent life is about in America but I also saw the transition now when you couple that with the father that I had that also was a saving grace so that when I went through the hell that I went through after 12 especially starting 13 um I did not become one of those statistics I was just graced by God to have had a good father for 12 years. He was a strict disciplinarian. He would not have been popular today because he was a strict disciplinarian, yet he was at the same time one of the most kind people. I, I yeah, you had a I, few scraps. You guys had a few scraps, right? What? What? My, you and uh, your father, didn't you get into it a few times? A couple of times, but they were, it was what I needed. Yeah. See, that's the difference. It's, it's, it's what I needed, and I'm glad that we had those scraps. 
Whereas today, a father couldn't do that. The mammies, and I mean it that way, the mammies wouldn't allow it, you know, because now you have so much of a, a baby mama situation where they're not married. And that is another situation. When you're not married, when you don't have families, true families, traditional families in your country, that leads to the breakdown of your, of, of your country. You don't have someone there like a father that is drilling you with what's right and drilling you literally. Making they sure want you, this, right. you learn. Make right. sure you – I had to write right. him reports mm-hmm. on American history along with, the, with, with, with what the teachers were, were, were giving us. And the teachers were his friends. So I was in a trap, man. And my mom was a teacher, was an English teacher. So there was no wiggle room for me as far as getting away with whatever. I had to keep my nose to the ground, you know, to the, uh, what is it? The uh, grindstone. Grindstone to keep my backside (laughs) cool. So, um, well, unfortunately and sadly, we don't have that today. We don't have, and, and the fathers that are around, they're not even allowed to be true disciplinarians. My parents made sure I was disciplined. They wouldn't let me hang out. I would say, well, such and such is father. And he says, well, if such and such jumps off a bridge, you're going to follow him. The point <laughs> was, the point was the discipline mattered and it carried over. And now, the key thing is, see, they don't want fathers in the home. They don't want nope. fathers in any home. It doesn't matter what color you, they want women running because what ends up happening, no father, who becomes your daddy, big government. Yeah. And, and that and goes to women. Women are going to have to eventually turn to the government, the government dime for sustenance and support. And that's what they want you. They want you on government. But see, we've got to fix that problem because they – you're right. They originally thought that they could get all the fathers out of the home, the socialists, starting with the, uh, I think it was the Roosevelt administration. But then they realized, yeah. mm-hmm. what they realized that the black female had an affinity for the oppressive white man. And they were able to hone in on that and use the black community as the Petri dish and how to perfect their effort to destroy the entire country overall. Because let, let's let's remember, in the 1960s when they started all this, or actually a little before that, um, the black community had a higher um, marital rate right, than the, the white the community. Right, yes. owned businesses and everything. 42% yeah. of black Americans right. owned small businesses in 1954. What do you think the percentage is today? About seven. Uh, I wish. It's 3%, my friend. Wow, boy. 3%. So we have digressed. And see, this is why my father called it, and I think I've mentioned it to you before, bastardized rights. And when they called it the civil rights movie, he says, Mm -hmm. nope, that's bastardized rights. Anybody explain why? He says, why do you think that their biggest issue is trying to force white people to accept your dollar? And when he when he said, well, wouldn't it be wiser for us to have our dollars turn over in our own community? We have our own restaurants. We have our own hotels. And they did. Which used to have. Right. There were five star hotels Mm -hmm. in some black neighborhoods. A lot of people don't know this. They don't want you to know this. Right. And uh, don't don't get me started on Black Wall Street. Yeah. I know what you're talking about in in Tulsa. Yes. Yes, sir. I've got a tons of pictures of that. Someone sent me tons of of historical pictures. 
those people lived well and they lived far. And see, that's what Martin Luther King and them should have concentrated on. When those whites, told, when those Democrats told the blacks, we don't want you in people around. I don't know how politically correct you are on that word. Some people, if I say what they said, they get all upset. Their panties in a bunch. If I say what the the word, so I'll just well, say that, the N word. That that's not a curse word. <laughs> well, it is. Well, if it's not, when they when they said we don't want you niggers around, the people in Tulsa intelligently said, okay, okay, cool. and they we'll worked their thing. butts off, and they developed a higher standard of living than all the the white people throughout all of Tulsa. So the Democrat white folks, rather than saying, hmm, look what they're doing over there. And we have a much larger population. We should be getting off of our duffs. You know what they you know what they did. Mm -hmm. It was the first uh, place in the United States that was bombed from the air. You know, things have just so changed. And it's, it's just not black neighborhoods. It's the whole country. Things are just spiraling down. Yes. This is what's the communist plan. You mentioned Martin Luther King. We talk a lot about him on this show because that movement, the communists funded it. The communists got behind it and the communists got exactly what they wanted. And they, by the way, Ron, in this in this okay. movie, you know, and, and when you and when you think about what it's all about, what what the left wants to do and what the communists, the Marxists, the socialists, they want to do is pit black against white, rich against poor, male against female, create chaos, create battles, get people at each other's throats and then come in and put out a fire that they ignited for the first place. But they're going to put it out their way with big government and force you to do things the way they want you to do and take away all your freedoms in the process to do it. I know you know this. How much is that a part of your agenda or what is your main agenda on your show of the things that you talk about? Well, my, my main agenda on the show, that's why I called the Ron Edwards American Experience, because it's about America restoring our entire nation, because we cannot uh, restore America in fragments. Right. I'm I'm not sitting here trying to concentrate just on the black community. Right. The, Neither do I. The, right. Or the American Indian About the country. community. About yeah, the country. it's it's and 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 that has a lot to do with my upbringing, where I grew up, and who I grew up around. A lot of uh, uh, Polish folks. Uh, my best friend was an Italian. He lived two doors down the street. The Rebuses. Um, and so there was a uh, there was an American Indian family on the corner, the Maddoxes, and so. Having had that around me as, as, a, as a lad growing up before, you know, hell broke out and, and after I was 12, um, that gave me a great appreciation because it was like a big family. It wasn't uh, the, the leftist you, uh, village raising a child mentality, but we were a cohesive American neighborhood and you know, we did all kinds of stuff. And um, in life, life, I tell you, was 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 pretty good, Gary. And that's what I thought of as our entire country. I thought, you know, all of the country was 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 like that and was meant to be that way. Well, it was meant to be that way, but yeah. you know who destroyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And see that and and see when I look at things like to, when I look back and see you, you mentioned the communists taking over the bastardized rights movement. Well, here they, they went to the weakest link. The black female's affinity for the leftist white man. They zipped in there when Martin and Abernathy were not at home and convinced the wives, well, if they are truly about peace, you will convince your husbands 
to get rid of their guns, which they were using to protect their families from the the Democrats who were, you know, in sheets the clans, who were right. coming in to blow up their houses. Mm-hmm. Well, they're being hypocrites. So Coretta, who turned out to be a real stone-faced communist, um, she they worked, they wore them down. It didn't happen overnight, but they wore them down. It took s- several months or whatever. A lot okay. of money involved, and they had the black pastors in their pocket. Oh, God, don't get me, don't go. I don't remember, well, I saw it in oh. my church. I remember in Jersey, in the church, I, yeah, I'm about, what, 14, 13, how old? probably about 13, 14 years old. Sure. I remember the pastor took his robe off, and underneath he had the blue jean, the feet of fighters, uh, outfit on. He said he was going to march in Selma, going to march with King. And, and 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 from that day on, all of a sudden, it changed about being about Jesus. It changed about following Christ. It changed about we're all one in Christ. All of a sudden now, they're singing the Black National Anthem, lift every voice and sing. And I'm like, what does this have to do with Jesus? What does black have to do or white have to do with anything, with anything Christian, you know? And uh, I didn't understand that then. I understood it later. But the churches, see, they they got the churches, they got the pastors, they got the the seminaries, they got the uh, academia, you know, and they they got every Hollywood, they got everybody behind this thing, and they actually just created a movement that just totally, you know, Roosevelt, I think, started it with the New Deal. Well, actually, Lyndon Bain Johnson with the uh, welfare state. He he, Lyndon Baines Johnson gangstered it in. Right. I mean, he, was... so. he even said so. With one of the most <laughs> infamous quotes. What is it? If, if I get this pass, I'm the niggas uh, voting Democrat for 200 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was he was something else. But, uh, Martin, you know, that's why to this day and people couldn't understand why I had more respect and more high regard for Malcolm X than I ever did for Martin Luther King Jr. Well, I had my the, problems with both of them. I the, didn't respect well, I had my problems, them. but like like I said, I had more respect for, for Malcolm X because Malcolm X, you knew you knew you got what you you got with Martin with uh, Malcolm yeah, X. Yeah, he, he was real to his cause. Yes, and the reason why they killed him was because though he was real to a cause that I didn't necessarily agree with, though I I, I agreed with some of the principles that he expound, expounded upon, he mm-hmm. talked about the need for blacks to be independent economically rather than begging the white man for this, that, and the other. Men being men, not being these millimouth kind of individuals like Martin Luther King is 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 foisting and and what he said concerning that can you hear me okay. yeah i can hear you uh, what 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 he said about that and Martin Luther King and all of that he was correct and he and he also condemned the democrat party yeah and so those are the things what are the reasons why i had more respect didn't have total respect but i had more respect for him than i did for Martin Luther King Jr because Martin Luther King Jr walked around pretending to be this great Christian guy. And, and you know, the story on all that. Yeah. And so uh, man didn't even believe in the deity of Christ. Right. And and see, and my problem with Malcolm X was all the people that he led away from Christ is the, and it wasn't even Islam. It well, was guess what? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. It goes back to the church, which I blame more than the Malcolm X, because here's the thing. I'll give you the example of my, of um, um, Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali grew up in a middle class household. His mother took him to church, and he was a he did try to seek God, but he asked his mother. He says, "Well, mom, why 
do we have to sit way up high in the balcony in the black section in the church that we go to every week? Why do you go here? Well, Jesus loves us and it doesn't matter. We still hear the weird. They were told that they were nothing, that they had a lower degree of heaven, this, that, and the other, and that, and Muhammad never forgot that. So when he's in New York after um, he gets mistreated after coming back to America from winning the, 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 the gold medal in Rome and, and all of that, and he's like, wait a minute, I'm confused. They're calling me nigger and boy and this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden he's approached by these people. They took him to a meeting, and for the first time in his entire life, he was recognized as a man, something that was never recognized in the Christian church. And that goes back to what you you were talking about earlier, about how the church does a, a horrible job in teaching morality. And part of that morality is instilling in young boys so that they grow into men, knowing that they are important to God as individuals, something, one of the founding principles of the United States of America, the, the importance of the individual, the church— and I, and I say it that way on purpose because I have very little respect for the majority of the church who has misled, just like the government, especially the black community. They have just totally, I mean, the proof of it. I'm a, when I first moved to Detroit, I learned it had more churches than any other city in the world. Freaked me out. I said, well, wait a minute. They have more churches, but more decrepit living than any other city in the United States that I've ever seen other than Gary, Indiana? You're kidding me. But the most decrepit major city with the most churches? And I said, well, wait a minute. Either God, you're either real or you're not. You're going to have to make yourself really, you're going to have to give give me a, a close-up personal appearance because this is not a good representation of what I was taught by my father. That if you go to church, if you do this and that and the other, God will bless you. But those were the most unblessed people I had seen on a large scale in the entirety of my entire life. So Ron, we can do a whole show on that because you're really getting to an area. Now you're getting into my area because, as you know, what really my life is ministry. The one thing I do want to say, and I say this to all kind of people because I hear this a lot. And it's like the, the church, there's a difference between the church and Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ go. is there the church. Go. The ch church is not a building. The church is our true believers. Jesus comes on the inside when you're born again, and you become the church. Most of the churches, a lot of them in the United States, they are not the church of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been teaching that crap. As I tell people, did Jesus do that? Did Jesus put you <laughs> up top? No. If Jesus didn't put you up top, don't blame him. Blame them. And God will lead you if you want the true Christ, the true God. He'll, he said, what did he say? You know, he'll knock, he'll knock on the door. You want the real, you want the real Christ. You will get the real Christ. And I, and it's so bad because I agree with you, the seminaries, the schools, the churches, a lot of people think it's about church people. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you, you you've got to let him into your heart. People, a lot of people don't. And a lot of people are being misled. Okay, so I understand what you're saying, and that's one of the reasons we're in this problem we're in. Ron, I would yes, love to talk to you forever, but I know we can't because, you know, podcasts have, you know, you're not going to go Time to four hours. Well, <laughs> you can, but, you know, but I just want to know uh, my last question. Are we allowed to talk about your neighbors? 
because see, <laughs> you and your neighbors, that to me, you don't have, don't mention my name. You don't even have to say where you live, but you guys should be a sitcom. You know what? It's getting any better. You're right. Better. And I call in every I call every few months to find out, or every year. How's it going with the neighbors? Listen, um, today, today, um, my wife went to to market. Right. I I I I pulled the car out for because it's raining, and I pulled it out for her and and everything, and and it's kind of chilly, so I got it warm for her, and so she. So the neighbors hear the activity. All of a sudden, they have their window cracked about that much. As she's pulling out the driveway, they open their window all the way wide. They pull the blinds all the way up so they can just stare. The the woman just stares at me when I have to go out and do yard work. Um, Your neighbors are white. Your your neighbors are white, so people. It's 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 the the, the entire area is 99 percent white, and it's been that way since I moved here 22 years ago. Now they mind you, they've only been there going on three years. Now they're staring at us like we are. Uh, there's something wrong with us. And these people, uh, I never forget when their parents were there one time, and I had to come out because um, I cutting my lawn or doing minding my own business, and their parents were out there. They were in front, and the parent looked up at me, and. The father, he just looked at me with a scowl and spun around and turned and went the other way because they, they were going to walk got their Biden, They still got their Biden sign up? No, it was Black Lives Matter. Oh, no, what happens? White people put a Black Lives Matter sign. Why did they? No, they did. That's why I thought they had oh, it was the Black Lives Matter sign. Yes, it was Black Lives Matter. And then and got on your case because you didn't have one. Well, they thought I was offensive because I, I supported Biden. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. Please right. forgive me, Jesus, right. that, that, yeah, because that, I supported uh, Donald Trump and they thought I was just off. And his wife had a meltdown right in front of you. Just yeah, Kim, she just mm, it was awful. They couldn't understand why a black guy, someone darker than blue, could 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 ever like such an evil, wicked man as Donald Trump. I said, first of all, the man is not wicked. I used to live in New York, and all I heard, because it was during the Giuliani years, all I ever heard was great things about Donald Trump, this guy named Same Donald here. Trump. The Donald. They called him the Donald. And everyone good and loved the guy, whether it was Snoop Dogg. Mike Tyson, was, Don King, Jesse was, Jackson gave him an award. Whether it was Ronald Reagan. I mean, everyone from the, the full spectrum. It was the Donald. And my neighbors in, in, in New York, some of them actually knew the guy. And I we talk about this guy named the Donald. And he did a lot of kind things for people. You wouldn't believe that even the, and you probably know many more being from that area. But during my time there, I heard all kinds of wonderful yeah. things that he would do for complete strangers. He mm-hmm. saw one time, the one story that I remember, he's driving down the street and he sees a, um, a broken sidewalk or something like that in front of a business. He gets out, calls the administration, the city or whatever, and makes sure that it gets done, that it gets repaired. I mean, he would just do things like that for strangers, little children. It didn't matter. He was like a Babe Ruth on steroids because Babe Ruth was a kind guy to, to children and all that, always, you know, gave shoes to the poor and all that, to the poor children and all that kind of stuff. But he did that on a much larger scale. 
And to this day, he's like that. Did you see the uh, the other day? He's there with uh, in, in te- was down there at the border at the border. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get, helping helping give out meals, give out, you know, taking pictures with the border patrol and everything. Shook everyone's hand. Right. To me, you know, they call him cocky and all that bigot, but to me, that shows great humility, more humility than most of your ministers will ever display for the people. You got that right. He showed North. Yes, I'm sorry. I could go yeah, on. No, you've got that. You've got <laughs> I'm saying you got that right. I, I got to interview him twice when uh, I was a sports writer and he owned the okay. uh, Jersey Generals that had Herschel Walker, you know, uh, and, you know, it's, I wish it could be like our phone conversation. We had a phone conversation probably two days ago for a couple hours. But, you know, we'll, we'll get you back and uh, we'll do some more because we could talk forever. And I, I really appreciate you. I appreciate you bringing me on your show, your real radio show, which you're about to tell people about. And I've learned a lot from you. And really? uh, this, oh, Ron, I've only been doing this for three years. I have no background in radio. And he had somebody asked me to have my own show. I laughed in his face. <laughs> you know, I didn't expect this. You know, so pl- tell people about your shows and how they can get your shows and how they can contact you. Well, you can uh, tune in. I just give one or two places for everyone that everyone can reach. KstarTalkRadio.com or LibertyTalk.fm because we're on radio stations like the Nevada Radio Talk Network, which uh, rebroadcasts the show on the weekends. We're on WCET, uh, 103.7 in Columbia, South Carolina, stations like that and some others. And like uh, uh, you can listen to me 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, 12 Pacific on kstartalkradio.com. You can also hear The Edwards Notebook, which is aired on a 250 stations plus stations via America Matters Radio, which is based out of Reno, Nevada. And I forget the, the home radio stations out there, but uh, they're on a lot of Salem, Salem stations and uh, some other stations, too. They, they carry The Edwards Notebook during uh, the, it's the America Matters broadcast. And um, I was honored when they asked to to uh, pick it up and they said, we've got a sponsor for it, too. So anyway, um, in, in, anyway, that that's about it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hush up. And the name of your two outstanding broadcasts are the talk show. The, the hour talk show is the Ron Edwards American Experience. And the commentary, it's a 90-second short-form broadcast. It's called The Edwards Notebook. Ron, keep doing what you're doing because we need voices of truth that speak truth to power and fearless. And as I've told the people, you tell it like it is unabashedly and you don't care how many aches you break if you're breaking the right aches to make the right omelets. I really appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. God bless you and your family. Thank you. Same to you, sir. And uh, happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, Ron. Until the next time. There you go, Mr. Ron Edwards. I want to thank Ron Edwards for sharing his well-educated opinion on several topics critical to our nation today. Keep blaring truth over the airwaves, Ron. It's greatly needed and much appreciated. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope to subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. 
If you're checking us out for the first time, we encourage you to look at the podcast archive located on the page. You'll find more than 125 high-profile guests, including the likes of Ben Carson, Will Witt, Monica Crowley, Professor Nicholas Giordano, Brandon Tatum, Naomi Wolf, Kira Davis, Carrie Lake, Michael Loftus, Vince Everett Ellison, Judge Janine Pirro, Ian Pryor, Sheriff David Clark, Dick Morris. That's a wrap for now, folks. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.